Money Boss Charles is a cross-cultural education project promoting social health, well-being and suicide prevention. Our podcasts aim to explore life experiences and diverse voices. Join us monthly as we produce podcasts in Spanish and English, promoting aspects of social health, well-being and stories that inspire or change perspectives on community well-being and suicide prevention. Hi, I'm Estella and I belong to the Mariposa team. In this episode, I've invited someone who's a friend and mentor and happens to be one of the most easiest people to speak to about some complex issues related to emotional, mental health and lived experience. In this conversation, we talk about reflecting on growing up as a young person and identifying mental illness and the different ways of dealing with the mind as a transformational experience with unique insights. And today we're speaking to Mark. I've met many years ago um, through my work experience at Multicultural Mental Health Access Program and then later, many years later in Relationships Australia, working for Art Think, which is a multicultural mental health education project. Uh, welcome, Mark. Thank you, Estella. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. I think that was um, late 1990s, actually, yeah. at, at the parks there. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be to talk with you and yeah, looking forward to our conversation today. Excellent. And we've managed to stay connected at least around um, working with communities, but also um, being supported um, through Mariposa Trails, which is um, a Spanish speaking project predominantly. And I always look to you, Mark, as my mentor, but also for information and advice and broadening my my skills and my experience, I guess, in this area. So I guess I'll start with your position at UniSA as a lived experience lecturer. How did that come about and how did you get involved in the lived experience movement? Yeah, well, thank you, Estella. That's very humbling, your comments. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, about five years ago, I saw a position at UniSA in the School of Nursing and Midwifery. It was a lived experience lecturer's position in mental health. And I was just really uh, saw that position and thought, wow, what a fantastic sort of role and opportunity as well. So I was lucky enough to, to get that position. What my background was, I was a young person, you know, long time ago now, but, um, you know, my mental health wasn't very good when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, and um, went through a whole sort of process of, uh, I guess, learning my way through that sort of distress and anxiety um, that I experienced, um, which was really intense. And then I, I, I sort of went and did social work as, a, as an area of learning, became a sort of community worker, which is where we met. So, mm -hmm. um, and then my mental health has been, you know, had times of being pretty, mostly pretty good, but also times of upheaval and sort of some crisis since then as well. So I think one of the things I've always learned is once you're, often have some really intense experiences around mental health. They are transformative experiences and they shape um, who you are as a person and they, they have a big impact and pretty excited to learn about sort of different ways of looking at ourselves and our wellbeing and our mental health that allow us to grow from those experiences and they allow us to um, 
I guess, learn new skills, learn new connections and ways of coping and thinking about ourselves and the world, really. So when I saw that position in mental health, I thought this is, a, this is where I can actually bring, you know, a lot of my own sort of lived experience as well as the principles of the movement in Australia and a lot of countries in the, in the world. There's a strong lived experience movement where people who have been through mental health related distress and used services and sought help or, you know, done a lot of self-help work themselves as well, where people are starting to, to talk about, you know, mental health from that perspective rather than mental health from being, you know, from psychiatry or psychology or social work or OT so, um, or occupational therapy. So it's, it's a non-professional point of view. It's actually lived experience point of view and it has values and principles about um, and this idea called recovery. So when I saw that position, I thought, wow, that's fantastic because, you know, the university is starting to recognise that students should learn from, from people who have been through these experiences. And I guess as a lecturer, have you seen like a change from when you studied being in the university or tertiary education? Have you noticed the openness, I guess, of students to come and approach you because of your position? Is it something that has uh, really promoted conversation or promoted self-help or promoted um, ways of people to look for support? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's definitely in a class, you know, with sort of predominantly teaching um, first-year nursing students, and we have a mental health course that I teach in, and I also teach um, postgraduate nurses as well. And, you know, we know st statistically that there's a number of people in your class are going to be going through some pretty significant mental health issues. So, yeah, it does. It actually generates conversations. And you have to be a bit careful because um, sometimes people will disclose stuff without really thinking through it because they're in a class. And mm. um, so you have to create safe environments. And sometimes I, I, I sort of, um, you know, wait till I've got a one-on-one -on -one with those students just to talk them through that stuff mm. around the boundaries. But it, it does come up quite often. And as, especially as we're teaching about mental health too, you know, it's either triggering or it's hard for people you know mm. I remember myself sort of you know having a panic panic attacks in class when we're talking about anxiety you know because mm. it's, it's just too close to home and it just raises all your arousal and off, off mm. you go so yeah mm. we try to look after students and but it, it definitely does make those connections really quite close. You mentioned at the beginning in your early adult years um, when you were going through many issues, including, I guess, uh, the realisation of a mental issue or a mental illness. And I'm just wondering, with so many young people who are experiencing these days, what sort of strategies really helped you around accepting what you were going through and then finding information to help yourself, but also normalising it for yourself? Yeah, quite a lot. And that's, you know, I think for everyone, they find their own sort of pathway of what helps them. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of strange thoughts coming into my head that were scary. I sort of felt distant and empty and sort of deep, what, what the professionals would call depersonalised, where you're, you're sort of feeling separate from yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the key things that helped me was this process called the skill or this thing you do, a practice called mindfulness, which I learned. And it's really a type of meditation where paying attention to, to what you're doing or your breathing helps you to um, get some distance from your thinking. 
and it's got a, actually a theory base behind it that can teach you that you know thoughts come and go and they pass through you through you as well as feelings and you don't have to buy into every thought that comes into your head and that's really important for people with anxiety type disorders because anxiety will bring on a lot of you know catastrophic thinking thinking for the worst thinking something bad's going to happen or mm. even thinking that you've done something bad and you can't you get confused as to whether you have or not you know so you get in these mental states that are really quite difficult um, so mindfulness was a great skill because it helped me to get through these times and one of the lessons of that is that you're only really here in the now you know you're in the here and now and and so you know for me all I had to do was to live that day you know to get through that day so that helps a lot too because it puts you in the here and now and you think, okay, it's, it's going to be a really hard night. I've just got to get through this night to the next day. So, so mindfulness teaches you those skills to get some distance and, and some coping. Um, the other thing is like spirituality, you know, like connections, mm. um, deep thinking about um, your place in the world, what, what you really value, what's important for you. So as a young person, I think we're, you know, people are working out that out as well often. So, and if, you know, if you've got sensitivities to things and you um, feel things acutely, you're likely to be a person who's exploring those relationships. So I did a lot of reading and talking with people about spirituality that helped. And that was sort of connected with the mindfulness stuff as well. And then sort of exercise was really good too, because when you're feeling really, um, bad, you know, if you go for a run or a swim to get out of your, get into your senses and get out of your head, that yeah. was really helpful. So, so probably, I'd, you know, attribute it to those tools around mindfulness as being really helpful for me, for my particular condition that was happening because it was really around anxiety and probably, um, you know, some childhood experiences of trauma that actually that helped a lot too, not, not seeing myself necessarily from a, an illness perspective that just happened you know it's actually sometimes what happens to us is due to or connected with traumas that we've been through as, as children or adults as well so mm. so that actually helped me because I could make sense the other thing is my my family was sort of um you know had some Christianity stuff as well as that here some of those healing traditions so my mum was really strong on um, encouraging me to say that you can actually you know you can get you can get through this, you know, so that helped a lot to have, um, you know, my mum being very supportive as well as a hopeful position. So she was always able to offer hope to move through these difficult times. And mm. I think, I think, yeah, when you go through some really full on sort of experiences, that gives you a bit of, um, that gives you a foundation for some of the other things that happen in your life. Cause mm. sometimes when our mental health, you know, we might have a period of stability, but then it, you, you have some other, big life events happen, you know, like, um, you know, for many people, if they have a child, for instance, that can be a really confronting thing for their past and you can sort of fall apart a bit. And it happens for a lot of uh, women as well as uh, men as well, people from diverse backgrounds that happen. So so one of the things around lived experience that teaches you that what, what you've been through and the skills that you've learned aren't wasted, they actually continue to support you over time yeah mm. so that's a key message of the lived experience sort of area and that this time we're living you know some challenges with this COVID-19 as you know even though through humanity we've lived through many other situations that are you know deeply affected us or have or we've been indifferent to you know people talk about 
you know, the hunger in the world is killing a lot more people than what COVID is. But for Western countries or developed countries, you know, it's pretty, it's hit pretty hard, the uncertainty around. Um, and you've probably been around a lot of people that feel that uncertainty, maybe students who can no longer attend classes or have had to put classes on hold or maybe international students as well. I'm just wondering how, um, how do you keep people encouraged or how, how do you support them in, in those situations and in these times when there is a little bit of uncertainty and misinformation and each state is handling it differently and there's, you know, different circumstances. Um, yeah, comment around that? Probably I can just talk about some of the things, you know, I'm in a pretty, pretty privileged position. Um, I, think, I think it is really difficult and, you know, you acknowledge when you have people in other countries, you know, part of family who are, you're separated from distance and you're worried about them. That's a really um, difficult thing to go through. And um, I think often in, in our area, we have this thing of what, what can you do about, you know, what can you control by mm. your feelings and what you can't. So some thinking around that to help you stay centered. One of the things I think for a lot of people is, is it's in the media so much you can get really exposed to media. So that's really difficult. And because sometimes you need to know media, you know, if you've got family in other countries or cities that are struggling, you, you need, you want to know that. So there's a balance of reaching out to engage with that, with those stories, that news, but at other times you need to have some distance from it just because it can be overwhelming. So one of the things I practice is I actually, um, I, you know, I engage in internet media, but I actually control that so it's not flooding me with information. So I don't have notifications on my phone or I only sort of access the internet in news when I want to because I, I just found myself getting overwhelmed, you know, every morning. And so if you, you know, it, whilst you're restricted, just what are the things you can actually do in those spaces that give you some connection and some activity, you know, some people have done baking or other things where they can refocus their attention to, mm. to their home environments to get through. And, and I think it is a process of just getting through each day as mm. you can and doing something differently. And other, you know, if you can use the phone to your loved ones or you can use Zoom as a way of connecting in just to, to do that. As far as the uncertainty about the world, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> I guess we mm. all, if we want to be involved in advocacy and seeking change and voicing what we're going through, we can do that. But there's a time to do that. There's also a time to look after yourself and have some, you know, some time with your, just your, your immediate friends and the people who you can connect with and or even just yourself to look after yourself. So you use music a fair bit through your life, haven't you, to, to help you focus on other things or learn different strengths? Yeah, music is great, you know. Yeah, so it's true. One of the things that helped me, actually, I forgot about this, but I was when I was 18, I, I learned to play drums and that was a massive thing that saved me because, uh, you know, just hitting drums is unreal because it's, it's such a, um, you know, a vibrant sort of uh, energetic thing to do, but it's also gets you out of yourself, you know, because there's rhythms and there's things to learn. You have to apply yourself. There's new skills to get your limbs or your hands doing different things. So... Mm. That was a really terrific thing that I started doing and I'm still doing it. And, you know, things like learning an instrument when you're older, you know, like a child has sort of learned to play guitar in the last five years and just extend yourself. So 
mm. hobbies. Sometimes when you're going through depression or a feeling like, you know, you actually you find yourself where you've got no interest in things. It's a really strange feeling. Yeah. So when I, I have been through those things where you have to say, oh, I have to find, an, you know, I have to find things to engage me with. I don't feel it now, but I have to cultivate that and grow that in my life because it's not a very nice feeling. But you've also had other times where you have been immersed in activities and you really like it. So, yeah, I sort of made myself get into stuff at times. It's really interesting because I've been learning about the five ways to well-being and learning is one of those areas and it really makes sense when you think, okay, give yourself an opportunity to give yourself a chance to not put pressure even to learn something, sometimes we put on, we put, you know, barriers. Yeah. Or, I can't do it. Or, you know, we might just think we're not um, capable of learning something or there might be a lot of negative self-talk, you know. So, you know, just really simple things. I don't know if you remember when we did that Spanish-speaking project and there was an older lady who learnt how to um, draw her hand and she really celebrated that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, so it was like that was something really simple that meant so much to somebody. And then you go, wow, that was also the power of learning or just the power, the ability of... And that's how we can look out for each other, you know, because sometimes we don't get exposed to those op opportunities unless we join a program or, or, you know, a friend offers us some opportunity or connection to doing something new. Often there's barriers where we don't want to go. Um, will I look like, you know... Will I look foolish or will I look silly? But if you can connect um, and try things, you might find a spark or a catalyst, something that actually gives you a bit of a boost. Um, and you might really enjoy that. You know, I think if we can connect with those things that bring us some ability to sort of lose ourselves in those activities, mm. that's really good for our mental health and well-being. I guess if we bring that back to your your um, example about when you're younger, um, you know, 17, 18, 19, for that age group that, you know, are trying to make sense of the world um, and we're going through a few challenges. A lot of people had so many plans which have all crumbled because of this um, COVID and there's talk about high unemployment and things like that. What services would you um, recommend for, for young people who feel they'd like to speak to someone or, or be supported emotionally? I think there's a variety of different um, supports or things you can connect with. If you're at school, it would be good to talk to a, you know, a school counsellor if there's a person who can provide uh, a counselling service at school. Or if you're at university as well, there's student support services that are in the form of free counselling for, for personal support. There's also services that you general practitioner might be able to help you with we we have this in australia we have mental health care plans which are where your gp can refer you to a psychologist or other sort of talking therapist to actually talk through you know you might think oh wow it's a pretty big thing to go on a mental health care plan but um, they are you know designed as a sort of promotion and a prevention type thing as a as, a, as an important resource to support your mental health there's also the headspace services as well that are sort of in regional centres that are sort of youth, young people friendly type services where you can drop in.
addition, to find out more information about support for young people, you can visit reachout.com or call Beyond Blue 1322 4636, beyondblue.org.au, or visit headspace.org.au. 1-800-551-800. You can also call Kids Helpline 1-800-551-800. You've been listening to Mariposa Trails podcasts, life experiences, and today we spoke to Mark, lecturer from UNESA with lived experience. Mariposa Trails is a project dedicated to social health wellbeing and suicide prevention. For more information, you can visit our bilingual website, mariposatrails.com.au.